Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. We are, we are busy with a, a series on our true reality. And what I've realized is this is actually what we've been telling you all here long. And what we've been telling you is God really is um, about our fruitfulness. God wants us to be fruitful. In the beginning, God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. And I don't know if you realize the so- second song we sang, New Creation, how spiritual and scriptural that song is. Because it takes a lot of what I've said from Genesis and it puts it into the new creation life, which we now live. And really, if we boil everything down to, to two things, is there is a spiritual life and there's a carnal life. And you get to choose which one you're going to live according to. If you're in the spiritual side of things, if you're born again, born from above, born of God, then you are spiritual. Whether you live like that, that's now the second part. <laughs> that's up to you but that doesn't mean you're not going to live forever the spirit side of you is going to live forever amen god lives forever god is eternal but now there's a world out there who still live according to the first adam the man of dust amen so we sang the song out of dust he made a new creation and now don't think about god forming man by dust in genesis 2 verse 7 because that is the first adam and we were all born according to the lineage of Adam 1.0. Okay. But there's an Adam 2.0. There's an upgrade. There's a new version. And guess what? That person is no longer a man of dust. That is now Christ, the resurrected, regenerated, revived Christ. And now we get to live according to that person. We get according to live according to that lineage. And I'm so excited to be sharing some things with you because uh, there's many things that I've brought together in today's message. Don't worry, it's not going to be too long. But there's just many things that I've been meditating on and, and thinking about. And last night when Natasha was practicing the song, I just realized I'm going to change my whole sermon that I had planned for today. And I'm going to share with you about the dust man. And I've been looking forward to sharing with you about the dust man for a long time. And then sometimes I, I, I carry these messages until I get that release. And last night I just felt that release. And um, so you're in for something today. So... Just a recap from last week. Last week we looked at our true reality and we said what Christ came to give is the Holy Spirit. Amen? At the end of all, that is why Jesus came. If people ask you why did Jesus come, it is not to die on a cross. Yes, He had to die on the cross so that He could give you the Spirit. But He came so that we can get the Spirit. And the way He had to do it was to die on a cross for our sins, get resurrected, that now, what, the last enemy death is no more. And now, he was raised. He was ascended into heaven so that he could take everything that God had given him. All authority and the Holy Spirit, which is all power. He says, before he goes up, he says, all authority and all power has been given to me. As Christians, we have a problem. You know what? We don't know what all means. We don't know what all means. Because God says to Jesus, all authority and all power. And we think the devil still has some. God says in, in, in this word, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, He says to the new creation, 
All things have become new. And we don't understand it. We think some things. We think I'm now saved, but I still struggle. I'm saved, but I'm not really different. I'm... No, all things... And I, I looked up the Greek just to make double sure. And it means all. Okay. It means what? All. What is all? All is everything there is. Alles. For the Afrikaans of mensen van ons. Alles is alles, ne? Jordan verstaand it. Jordan say alles. Dan wil hy alles hee wat op sy boord is. Of hy wil al sy speelgoed hee. Dan pak hy hulle so uit en sê alles. He understands it. But as Christians, as adults, as mature believers, we often don't understand what all means. And so you don't have to get too deep this morning with me. But John 16, Jesus says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. But before that, he says, there's many things I want to share with you. Now, sometimes I feel like that on a Sunday. There's so many things I want to share with you, but some of the things will scare you off. So we need to get there. We need to build. We need to take you there. So what he says is, all things I want to tell you, but I cannot. He says in verse 12 of John 16, I have yet many things to say unto you. So not all things. He shared some of it, but he hasn't shared all. But you cannot bear them now. Okay, Christian, when you're on mission... When you're witnessing to family, when you're witnessing at work, some people that you're going to encounter cannot bear all you want to give them. Be like Jesus. Be meek. What is meekness? Meekness is not just humility. Meekness is when you can do with a pea shooter, don't use a bazooka. Okay? Just because you have the bazooka doesn't mean you need to use it. Okay? So sometimes someone just needs a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of a question, a little bit of a revelation. Don't show them everything you've got. Keep them coming back for more. Amen? Share the gospel, yes, but you don't need to tell them from Genesis to Malachi and from Malachi to Revelation everything that you know. You're going to scare them off. They cannot bear it. Okay? Especially if they're not saved. Because you want to share spiritual truths to people who are still carnally minded, you're going to struggle, you're going to, you're going to irritate each other. Amen? And you're going to miss an opportunity probably. So let's learn from Jesus and share only what people can bear. How be it, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. Okay, that's that word again. What's the word that we don't understand? All. Okay, all what? All truth. And last week we said, a better translation of that might have been, the truth about everything. The truth about everything. So when the Spirit comes... He's going to reveal to us the truth about all things, everything. So what it says to us is before the Spirit came, the truth about everything wasn't available. It wasn't revealed. It was Jesus withheld it from us. But now the mystery which has been hid from ages and for generations has been revealed. And what is that mystery? According to Colossians 1.27, it is Christ inside of the believer which is not just life, but it is now the hope, the positive expectation of glory. So that is the gospel. That's what the Bible was written for. In the Old Testament, it's mysterious. It is verborgen. Um, Charles and I spoke about it yesterday, about some of the nice Afrikaans terms. It is verborgen. It is versteek. But now the mystery has been revealed, which is Christ now lives in you. And guess what? I don't have another body on the inside of my body. I have a spirit on the inside of my body. Because Christ, if you define the word, really means the anointed one or the anointing. 
So the anointing of who God is, the Spirit of God, now lives inside of the believer. And that was the plan all along. That's why it was mysterious. Um, it was hidden in a mystery. Christ couldn't reveal it to us. Why? Because He says to us so clearly, because the Spirit was not yet given. Anyone with me? Okay, that's just the recap from last week. So Jesus says the Spirit is going to give you the truth about everything. He's going to unveil, reveal to us what is really going on. This is key. You need to come with me from that point of departure. You need to understand that. So what happened before the cross is that we did not know what was really going on. You see my logic. So if the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to us what's really going on, it means that before we had the Holy Spirit, we had no clue. Or we had some clue or a little clue. But we didn't know all things. Now 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Now for the new creation, the person who believes in the gospel, who receives the Spirit of God, and with that, yes, forgiveness, but now you're regenerated, resurrected. The word says you are born from above. You're born of God. Because that just means you start from scratch. And that's what I'm going to break today, hopefully for once and for all. You are born from above. When people ask you, are you born again? You can say, no, I'm born from above. I'm born of God. We need to start using the right language so that we live according to our true identity, so that we live in the truth of all things, which is if you're born from above, you are spiritual. You are spiritual. Yeah, but I still struggle and I still want to not do this and not eat that and not drink this and not look at that. Colossians 3 says it so clearly. You are now spiritual. So stop living like carnal. But if you live like carnal, you're not going to undo your born-again experience. You're not going to undo being born from above, just because you make a few mistakes. Okay, we say those things, and if you're a visitor, that's heavy. If you've been with us, it's basic. Okay, we, we know that if you're once saved, you're always saved. Because if you don't understand that, then hopefully by today you'll understand it. So there was a dust man. Adam, made out of the dust. The first Adam. Romans 5, Romans 6, many other places, and I'll show you. It says, you are no longer like him. So we can stop blaming Eve, stop blaming the devil, stop blaming Adam, because we've got nothing to do with that anymore. If you're born from above, you have a new nature. You're a new creature. We, we don't like to think about it. You're a new species. You used to be human. You no longer. Now if you're a visitor, you're never going to come back because this guy's crazy. <laughs> Read your Bible. <laughs> Read your Bible. And it's not just 2 Corinthians that says it. Um, there's a verse in, in Galatians. Let's see. I'm jumping around a little bit. I think it's right in the end. Galatians 6.14. Sorry, Teresa. You can all pray for the people at the back. They really have their hands full with me up front. Um, <laughs> jumping around. Galatians 6 and verse 14 says... But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. So by the cross of Christ, no longer, it's not just Christ who's crucified, but I'm crucified with Christ, and I'm not just dead, I'm dead to the world. So what is your definition of success? Because if your definition of success is rooted in the world, unfortunately you are dead to the world. <laughs> So you're going to struggle a bit. So the message of the Bible cannot be about material things. 
Because material things break down to dust. The message of the Bible elevates that and says this is now spiritual reality. So God says to Abraham, some things, lots of things, but one of the things He says to Abraham is, you will have as many children as the sand of the seashore and as the stars in heaven. So the children of the sand of the seashore, that's natural lineage through Isaac. That is the Israelites as we know them, and the Ishmaelites, by the way. But that's not the stars. Those who get born again are now the sons of Adam, which are as many as the stars in the sky, because Jesus said in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. And then Galatians says something very interesting. It says, Israel, as we know it, is not the true Israel. It's the fake Israel. It is the dust man Israel. The white flag with the blue cross of David, that is not God's true Israel. Go read through Galatians if you think I'm crazy. But there's a true Israel which is born according to the seed that is Christ. So yes, God had a plan, and the plan was to have natural children so that Jesus could come into a body, into the dust man, so that he can die as a dust man, fulfill the law, fulfill the prophets. That doesn't just mean the Ten Commandments. That means the Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi. That's what he fulfilled. The mystery that was prophesied, that was promised, is now being fulfilled, revealed. Now Hebrews 10 says, Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the substance that of what? Of things that was hoped for. If you read it not just like that verse, but you read from uh, Hebrews 10 and you read all the way into Hebrews 12, you see that faith is not what we do. Faith is Christ. Christ is what was promised, now manifested, substantiated in a body. And guess what? He is no longer in the dust Adam form. And where are you? You're in Christ. So what has Adam got to do with the story? Romans 5 says, not according to the first Adam, according to the second, the much more side of life. Okay. See, we, we, we go deep here. We, we equip you properly so that you can live this life. But at the end of the message, you'll see it's so simple. That's why I really want you to just track with us. So Galatians 6 says, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus, where? In Christ. Where are you, believer? In Christ. Neither circumcision avails anything, nor uncircumcision. In our days, this is the grace people and the law people. That's not what it's about. Yes, you're in grace life. But I've realized that people in this town don't know what we're about. In conversation, people ask me, what do grace life believe? And when I tell them, they're like, oh. It's not just greasy grace, and it's not just... Like students wanting a reason to sin. No, not at all. We give our lives. We are crucified with this world. We are living sacrifices. We are living for a purpose. Yes, we make mistakes. We say sorry. But that's not why we exist. If your purpose as a Christian is to not sin, you are not fulfilling the Great Commission. Because Jesus didn't say stop sinning. He said go into the world. So if we are constantly going to start try and keep my salvation, then I'm never going to fulfill my purpose and the Great Commission. It's, it's, it's logic, huh? But we got confused because 
I must stay holy. I must say sorry. I must confess. Yes, confess. A good, profession, a good confession. What is that? The message of Jesus. What do you believe? I believe in Jesus. Stop. No. They told the, 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 the disciples, stop teaching these things. They said, <laughs> sorry, buddy. We're rather going to listen to God. We're rather going to listen to God. They told the high priest, you can hit us again. You can beat us again. We're not going to listen to you. Why? Because they realized they were spiritual beings. If you make Jesus Lord, what does that mean? What is Lord? Is the one you take command from. So you have a massive crusade. There was a crusade this weekend in Kaimandi. And I saw some videos and there was lots of hands. Lots of people saying yes to Jesus. Which is awesome. How many of them got saved? We don't know. We'll see. How will you see? If you gave your life to Lord to God, it's more than raising a hand. It's giving your life. And if you've given your life, you can see it. I'm different since I gave my life to God. I wrote my sins down many times. I confessed many times. I could beladenis van geloof afgeleer. Not many times, once. But when I gave my life to God, you can ask my family, you can ask everyone who knew me, I was different. I studied engineering. I am now pastoring. Not because the money is so good. Because God said, and He is my Lord. That is what it means to be born again. I have a new master, commander, father, God, Lord. And I say, yes, Lord. That is the life we live. Why? For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. What is circumcision? It's got something to do with the carnal. And that's the point that he's making. He it says it's not about what you do in the flesh. It's not about what you do with the dust man. No, it has got to do with a new creation. The King James says a new creature. We don't worry about circumcision so much, but maybe there's other things. Fasting. Ooh, some of you are getting nervous. Fasting, is it spiritual or is it carnal? It's carnal. There's hunger. Your tummy is going to growl. Now, I'm not saying you can't get spiritual focus from that. I'm just saying you don't need that to get spiritual focus. might help you. But God is not impressed by your fasting. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. Neither fasting nor too much eating. If I say gluttony, then, it's, then it, we get, it gets murky, gray. <laughs> you see, it's all about the new creation where? In Christ Jesus. That really simplifies life. What is sin? Sin is living without Christ. If you're a sinner, it's not about what you do wrong, it's about what you don't have. You're stuck in dust. And you're going to be dust again. The Passion says, The only thing that really matters is living by the transforming power of this wonderful new creation life. I want to say you are transformed. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, All things have become new. How many things? So I've been really challenged by this of late. 
Because everything that I was and everything that I thought before I got saved, I need to now go and test. Because if all things are new, then I need to check if all things are new in my life. All thoughts, all patterns, all behaviors, all focus, all success, all things. Now, what are these new things? The next verse gives us at least a good indication. Verse 18 says that now all things, what things? All things, all the new things, is now what? Of God. I've never really linked the two verses like this before. How stupid can you be? Because they're right after each other. So everything is new. You're a new creation. So everything you now have, everything you now are, everything that you should now focus on, everything that you should be considered with is now things of God. But we're trying to get to God. We're trying to impress God. We're trying to be more like God. No, you are. Because all the things are now new. It says the old things have passed away. A a, a better word there or another word for that translation there is the old things have been perished. The old things are dust. We're getting used to this load shedding thing by now. It will start up again, don't worry. What's load shedding? You see, take load shedding. Is that a carnal problem or a spiritual problem? It's a carnal problem. If we're spiritual, we won't need an aircon. We won't need nice music. It's nice, but we won't need it. That's why churches in Africa meet under a bush and they're fine. They see more miracles than we do. Why? They don't have the carnal distraction. They live spiritual. If you're online, we hope you're still online. Otherwise, you'll be online soon. Armand will just check you. All things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself. What's the tense? Past tense. By Jesus Christ, and have given us the ministry of reconciliation. It says we're now ambassadors of Christ, eh? meaning we are representing Him. If you're sending an ambassador to, to, South, to South Korea, from South Africa, what are you sending? Are you sending a dog? Are you sending a frog? Are you sending a cow? What are you sending? I'm sending a blue, sending a Pratia. Maybe sending someone who played for the Pratias. No, you're sending a person. Why? Because they are coming to represent us, who are people. So if God sends an ambassador, it is representing someone spiritual, so He wants to send a spiritual ambassador. So... It says all things are passed away. Now the word all things, I I looked that up, 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's not just your sins. We we, we like to think that. That's now passed away, it's perished, it's dust. No, when I look at this dust thing, it says it's the original things. The old things are the things that was there from the beginning. That's the Greek translation. It's first Adam. The things that were there from the beginning, the natural world, the first Adam, the ancient things, it says, the things of old, the primal, the primeval, the things that were there in the beginning, those things are passing away, they are perishing. But now, just to confirm that, we go back a little bit more. See, now you know why you need to bring a Bible. If the technology drops us, you can still 
read. They say in Ukraine, as soon as the war started, all the Bibles sold out because the networks, the infrastructure, everything was... You don't necessarily have a point to charge your phone in a concentration camp, but you can open your Bible. We need to be ready. We need to have some Bibles. Amen? So 2 Corinthians 5, 18. We go back to 16, 17. Now we're going back to 14. So it says, For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we are all dead. See that word all. No, the pastor, he's dead to the flesh. And the one who goes on mission and the one who, who serves in the ministry. No, we're all. You see, we don't understand that word. And that he died for all. Who did Jesus die for? This is important stuff. Some people will help you understand it wrong. That they, why? So that's who. Now we ask why. Why did he die for us? This, is, this gets fun. That they which live should henceforth not live unto themselves. Sorry. There's more for you. There's more than this life. There's more than the white picket fence. There's more than the navy blue BMW. We are not living for ourselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. You've got a new Lord, commander. And guess what? You're going to be happier than you've ever been before once you say yes, Lord, and you say yes to life with him. You want to see miracles? That's where it happens. You want to live supernatural? Get out of the flesh. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. There you have the context. What is flesh? It's carnality. It's the dust people. We don't know anyone according to what we can see. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man according to the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh. Now he, he takes it up a little. Yet now, henceforth, know we Him no more. So I've said it before, when we watch series like The Chosen, it's awesome, but that's not the Jesus that you want with. That's Jesus of the flesh. Jesus in the flesh. The Jesus that you want with is the Jesus of Revelation. So I did it say, I'm not here to entertain you. I watch The Chosen. I do. I enjoy it. I watch The Passion of the Christ. I didn't enjoy it. But it's really not about that Jesus. It is about the spiritual man that was resurrected, regenerated, and we are now one with Him. Yes, because He went through the cross, because He was born in Bethlehem, because He came into a body, because He walked this earth, because He suffered in pain. Yes, because of all of that, but Genesis 3 and verse 14 says, So that he became cursed and a curse, and he bore the curse on the cross. So that. So that. That had to happen. Why? So that the purpose, the plan, the promise could become real, substantiated. That which was hoped for. What is that? The promise to Abraham, which is the outpouring of the Spirit. Jesus became one with us in first Adam so that he could die to the dust man and be resurrected, regenerated, new creation. Why did Jesus walk through walls? Because he was different. Why did he ascend? Why did he appear? Because he was different. Did he do many miracles of healing after the cross? 
Not that we know of. What is our ministry? What did Jesus do after the cross? He went through the scriptures from Genesis to Malachi, starting in Moses and all the prophets. He showed them the things concerning himself. What was his ministry? Revealing the mystery. The promised Holy Spirit. And as Christians, too many of us camp at the feet of the cross. And Jesus is not there. Or we go to the tomb and Jesus is not there. He is resurrected. Our starting place is Pentecost. We need to be living according to the spiritual people that we are. The simplicity of the gospel is the power of Christ. It is being one with Him and it can only be true in the Spirit. Genesis 2 and verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. I'm just going to check if the air can restarted. Well, you're all just staring at me. That's why I'm getting hot. Genesis 2.7 says, The Lord God formed man out of dust. Okay. I'm going to bring all of this together now. And what did he do? He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Some of the translations say a living soul. Not a spirit. A soul. 1 Corinthians 15. See, now if you have your Bible, then you know we are there, and now we're jumping all the way there. So we were just in Genesis 2. Now we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15. And it says, So it is written. Where is it written? In Genesis. The first man became a living being, a living soul. And the last Adam became a quickening, a life-giving spirit. So you want to live in first Adam, in the soulish realm? Or do you want to live in the second Adam, Jesus, the life-giving spirit? Verse 16, or 46 says, But it is not the spiritual life which came first, but the physical. And afterwards, the spiritual. Very key verse. In Romans 9, there's a, a, a verse about um, God who, who loved Esau less than Jacob. And a lot of people get stuck there and they, they don't... It says hate, but if you see the word, it means love less. Which is, God can't hate his love. And then people think, that's, 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 not, that's not my God. That's not how it should be. That's unfair. What it's really saying is this. It says the natural man came first. And then the spiritual. So Esau was the oldest son. So he came first. But the blessing was carried by Jacob. Who came second. Why? Because Esau was hungry. And he did not fast. <laughs> the fast made him hungry. So he sold his birthright, which was not just the things of Abraham, it was the lineage of Christ. Think about that. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't think about it. He sold the lineage of Christ, something spiritual, something eternal, for a bowl of soup. And we're easy to judge, but we often 
the Esau's of our own demeanor. So the second came after the first, obviously, but the second is a picture of the spiritual son, which now carries the seed of Christ, where that was exchanged. And here we see it again. The spiritual is not first. First Adam is not spiritual. The second Adam is spiritual, coming after the first Adam, because he came into the body of Adam, but he is regenerated, new creation, Christ risen, Christ descended, spirit poured out. You see, if you read something like Romans 9, don't fall off your horse. God's not going to change all of a sudden. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We just need to figure it out. What is He saying? What's the context? Let me read this from the Amplified for you just quickly. It says, Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a life-giving being, an individual personality. The last Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit, restoring the dead to life. There you have it. But it is not the spiritual life which came first, but the physical and then the spiritual. The first man was from out of the earth. Genesis 2 and verse 7. Made of dust. Now, dust is not just dust. It is what is you? You're earthly minded. The word says, think about things above, not of things on the earth. Now, it doesn't mean you look at the stars. It doesn't mean you should look at the clouds. It means you need to think about the different dimension, the spiritual dimension, not of the earthly-minded things of this world. The second man, just if you were wondering who that is, is the Lord from out of heaven. What is that man? He is the life-giving Spirit. If you're a Christian, then you, like me, are living way behind our means. And if you're not, come over to the fun side, where life means more, where life is eternal, where life is powerful, where life is more than this world has to offer. Why? Because Christ died. Yes, He did. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He paid for my sins. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son so that I don't have to dabble in dust for the rest of my life. I am now a new creature, a new creation, a spirit man. And guess what? Just like Jesus, that life is not just for me, but now I step into mission. I step into ministry and I start giving, quickening, making others alive with me. Why am I in ministry? Because I got saved. That's the reason. I'm in ministry because I got saved. And I know so many people who has not gotten saved, who has not heard the gospel, who has not heard the truth, has not been invited into this much more side of life. But maybe you are here today and you've only heard, stop sinning. Stop making mistakes. Change up. Mop up. Clean up. Whatever. That's not the message. That's not good news. Good news is, there's a spirit man who wants to live on the inside of you. And he wants to live in you forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And yes, once you get born again into that new nature, that new creation, the things of this world is going to grow strangely dim. And yes, those things and those mistakes that you make, stop doing it because that's not who you are. But guess what? Get busy with the real things. And you won't have time to sin. Get on the mission field and you won't have time to sin. It's not a scripture, by the way. We need to know our Bible. People say, oh, this, this is in the Bible. Send me the verse. Because I know it's not. And I never hear from them. Because they can't find it. Or they don't go look for it. We need to know our Bibles. Amen? Verse 48. 
Now those who are made of the dust are like him who was first made of the dust. What is that? Earthly minded. And as is the man from heaven, so also, that's the important part for us today, are those who are of heaven, heavenly minded. Believer, that is you. And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, just like we were born into first Adam, so shall we and so let us also bear the image of the man of heaven. This is the invitation. Live like the resurrected Christ. What is your potential? Jesus. Oh, that sounds heavy. No, that's an invitation to a supernatural life. And you will be forever thankful for saying yes for that. Now, if you know me, I like to take a, a point like this and just bring it together in a story. Just bring it together out of uh, something in the Old Testament. So, I was sitting with Jordan, the two-year-old, and I was going through his children's Bible. I'm not going to preach about children's Bibles today. I've done that this year already. But I was looking at this encounter of Elijah and the Baal prophets, or the Baal worship, and the two fires, and there was only one fire, the two bullocks, and there's just this picture, and just like the Holy Spirit said to me, there's something there. And it's 1 Kings 18. And if you know the Bible, then you know this. If you don't, this is awesome. So the Israelites are, they're double-minded. If you look at the problem of the Old Testament, it's double-mindedness. They don't want to live like God. They don't want to live with God as their God. They don't want to live with God as their king. They want something natural. They look at their neighbors and they want a sacrificial system. They look at their neighbors and they want a king. They want to be earthly minded. They want to live according to dust. And God all the way says, but you are different. You can be more. I'm your God. I'm your father. I'm your king. And they said, no, I want to be earthly minded. So there's this double mindedness. And as the kings change hand, then some of them are more spiritual minded and some of them are more carnal minded. And some of them go into worshipping God and others go into worshipping idols. And the word says in James, a double minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's why today's message is of cardinal importance. This is not just a nice invitation. If you're not going to say yes to living in the spiritual man, you're going to be unstable in all your ways. So you see, this is not, I'm not preaching for me. Natasha and I spoke in the week, and a lot of the things that we say that's maybe unpopular, we've got nothing to gain by sharing the truths that we do. Nothing to gain. Except your freedom. If you get offended and you leave, that's a loss. If you stop giving, that's a loss. That, that's personal for us. But we would rather preach the truth and give you the opportunity to respond. Amen? Otherwise, then, then I'm not no good. Then I'm not doing what I'm supposed to. I'm not here to be popular. I'm not here to be entertaining. I'm here to be equipping and setting you free. And those of you who, who, who dig in and get at a word, you know. You've tasted and you've seen and we're on this journey together. 1 King 18. Elijah says to these guys, okay, come now. He says in verse 21, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long shall you be between two opinions? Oh, that hit me. And I'm asking you this morning, How long are you going to be between two opinions? This is a word for someone. 
whether it's joining this church, whether it's going on mission, whether it is making decisions, how long are you going to be between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. <laughs> it's easy. If, God, if you gave your heart to God, if you said like Romans 10, He is Lord, better live like it. There's no use to say God is Lord just for your fire insurance. That's, we, we miss it. We think Christianity is about that. I'm saying Christianity is about living a yes, Lord, life now, today. If He is God, follow Him. But if Baal, follow Him. But the people answered Him not a word. That's usually how it goes. Then it said Elijah to the people, Even I only remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now we know that's not true if you read on. So that's how you need to study the word. Because you can now make a message and say, yes, there's one prophet and there's 45, so we're always in the... No, later on when he's scared of Jezebel, God says there's many more. 5,000 I think you don't know of. 7,000, whatever. You see, we need, to, we need to know the word. We need to study the word. So let's make this quick. So he says, let them therefore give us two bullocks. And let them choose one bullock for themselves. So he's putting all the odds in Baal's favor. He's, he's doing this on purpose. He says, there's two bullocks, you choose one. Because, you choose, you pick. So if you're a parent, how do you make sure kids don't fight when they're sharing? You make one split it and the other one choose. And you'll see that. <laughs> that you'll, never, you'll never have a problem again about that. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put it on fire, no fire under it. So, you do everything with the sacrifice, but you're not bringing fire. And call you on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. Okay, so he's putting a challenge out there. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. So they says, this is fair. Quick side note, I was ministering in a public hospital once. And uh, we came, came to a guy who was about 17, 18, and he had a Quran next to his bed. And this guy I ministered with, he was giving us training. He went up to the guy and he says, so, why are you still here? He says, I've got pain. He says, oh, so Allah didn't heal you. I was like, okay, where's this going? And so he said to the guy, okay, I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. And if Jesus heals you, Allah didn't, then Jesus is stronger than Allah. And he wasn't just wanting to say yes, but he, just like I think Elijah here says, come on, this, this, this is, this, that mocks in. Yeah? And eventually he had to concede, and he was like with a very attitude, said, yeah, okay. I said, okay, put your hand where the pain is, and show me where it goes. 17-year-old cocky guy there in hospital, not wanting to be there, obviously, pray to Allah, Allah didn't heal him, because Allah's dead. Puts his hand on his stomach. And this guy prays two sentences, and this guy goes like this. But with an attitude, like. I said, what did, what did, oh, I said, did the pain go? He said, yes. He said, so Jesus is stronger than Allah. Nah. You see, science doesn't get people into heaven. Gospel does. But the sign opens the door for us to share the gospel, to get people into heaven. So what I'm sharing with you here is this is an encounter in the Old Testament, but there's got to be more to the story. 
And if you know me by now, you know you're going to get more. You're going to get Jesus now in the next two minutes. So what he does is, he says, the one who answers by fire, why? Why fire? Thank you for asking. Hebrews 12 gives us the answer. So let the Bible interpret the Bible. Hebrews 12, 29 says, For our God is a consuming fire. Okay. Again, we went from Kings to Hebrews very quickly. So we're looking at all the new. God is a consuming fire. Now we go back into the story. So it says, Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first, for you are many, and call on the name of your gods, put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal, from morning until noon, saying, Baal, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any answered. And they leaped up upon the altar which was made, and it came to pass at noon, that Elijah mocked them, and said, Cry loud, for he is a god, either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth, and must be awakened. So now he's mocking them. And they cried aloud, and they cut themselves. What did they cut? Themselves. They cut the dust man. They're coming with carnal efforts. They're coming with flesh. They're screaming. They're cutting. They're dancing. They cried aloud. They cut themselves out of the manner with knives and lancets, till the blush gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. So these guys have been busy now for a while. There was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. So nothing happened. They're doing a lot of carnal stuff. They're even bleeding. They're suffering for their God. Nothing happens. So, verse 30, Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribe of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the, Lord, uh, the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. So they had an altar from stones cut with hand. Carnal effort. Perfect stature. They come with twelve rocks cut by God, not by man. Twelve, the tribe of Israel, shows completeness. And what did he do here? He says, um, And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. So it's a, a trench around this altar. And he put the wood in order, so he packs the wood on the altar, and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood. Okay, but now you have to see the picture of the cross. The stones, the wood, the sacrifice. And now he does something. And he says, fill four barrels, four water jars with water. And pour it on the burnt sacrifice. Burnt sacrifice. It's not burned yet. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. It's a picture of the washing, the regeneration that comes with new creation. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. Three is, is, is a key number. And they did it a third time. And the water ran round about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. 
And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, not Esau, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord of God and that you has turned their back again, or they have turned their back again. Um, then the fire of the Lord fell and did what? Consumed. God is an all-consuming fire. And what did it, this, this is where it gets me. This is where it gets me. It consumed what? The burnt sacrifice. It consumed the wood. That's why we don't worship the cross. It consumed the stones. That's why we don't worship the 12 tribes of Israel. It consumed even the dust. And that is what got me. Not just the sacrifice. Not just the cross. Not just Jesus. Not just the Holy Spirit. But God is an all-consuming fire in that He wants to even consume your old man. That is why 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, All things have become fresh, new. All the old things, those things that were from the beginning, the dust man is now passed away. But we are all consumed in Christ. One with God. One with Jesus Christ. One with His Spirit. Because my God is an all-consuming fire. And I don't know about you, but I want that to be visible in my life. I want God to permeate, to infiltrate, and to consume every minute of the rest of my life. Yes, I need food, and I need money, and I still need to drive a car, and I still need to pour petrol or diesel into that car. I get it. But I no longer live according to first Adam. Those things are dead to me. I want to live according to second Adam, spiritual man, all consumed by God, one with Him, and now living on purpose and mission for all eternity. I hope you never look at that the same again. He consumed our shortcomings. He consumed the dust side of who we are. We are not merely here for a season with no reason. No, we are here with a purpose to make God known in this world. That's why Paul says the world is dead to me and I'm dead to the world. Why? Because the world is dust. Anything materialistic comes from matter, and matter is dust. I don't want to be part of Abraham's, Father Abraham has many sons, I'm one of them. On the sand shores. No, I want to be, Father Abraham has many sons and daughters, I'm one of them. I'm a bright shining light. As many as the stars in heaven. And now we take what Jesus prayed and we says, Lord, not please let it be. 
No, because Ephesians 2.6 says, now you are seated. You see, you've changed position. You were dust, but now you are not. You were of this earth, but now you're of heaven. Now, what's it, Romans 5.17 says, therefore reign. Reign where in this life. As it is in heaven where I am, so let it be where I live, where I move, where I have my being. What is it in heaven? Love, goodness, patience, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, God. As it is in heaven, so let it be on earth. You see, at the end, I hope I've simplified it a little bit for you. If you're born again, you are spiritual. Living in your body. If you're not born again, you're missing out on a crucial, life-giving, powerful, eternal, and can I say fun part? Because he was anointed with the oil of gladness. The oil of gladness. The oil of gladness, Christian, you're allowed to smile. You're allowed to enjoy life. You're allowed to be free. You're allowed to live in peace. You're allowed to, to smile. Can I say that again? I was 10 years old, and I'm closing with this, and I asked my dad in church, why is no one smiling in church? 10 years old. You know, I just knew something was wrong here. Can't share good news and not smile. I'm not saying life's going to be easy and perfect, and you're not going to have any troubles. Jesus said you'll have many troubles. Cheer up. Take heart. I have overcome this world. Your problems are dust. They're going to stay here when you leave. So don't get caught in the dust. Maybe that's the message for today, the title. Don't get caught in the dust. Let's stand. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the life-giving spirit. We thank you that you've consumed even the dust of which we were made, our shortcomings, that you are alive, that you are with us, that you are for us, and that you want to be in us. And if you have God in you, you know it. If you're not sure, make sure. By just saying, Lord, be Lord. Be Lord. <laughs> Jesus, be Lord of my life. I heard the gospel today. I heard the good news that my sin is not an issue if I say, yes, Lord. If I claim my forgiveness, if I receive the gift of righteousness, if I receive Christ. Because if we read on in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, He who knew no sin became sin, so that we could be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's all about where you are. Are you in first Adam dust, or are you in second Adam the life-giving spirit? And if you have to change positions, if you need to be translated, transformed from darkness to light, this is your moment. This is your moment. Make sure, make double sure that you are a spiritual being, a new creation, that you are no longer living according to the old ways. Whether you grew up in church or not, that doesn't matter because this is spiritual. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Not confession, not circumcision, not uncircumcision. Nothing you can do with your body can get you saved. Except saying, yes, Lord, after you've believed in your heart. 
And if you just said, yes, Lord, you'll never be the same. You might still be hungry this afternoon. You still might be tired tomorrow, but you'll never be the same. And I want to invite you on this journey to come be renewed with us. To come realize and be equipped and understand what it means to be one with Christ and how we get to live this life as a family, but also as in union with the Spirit. I just feel to say that if you, if you receive Christ, you don't need the Holy Spirit, you've got Him. Because without the Spirit, you are none of His, says the Word. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. It's easy. The life there is Zoe. It's God kind of life. It's spiritual life. Just say yes, Lord. <laughs> There's really so much to gain. Yes, life might be difficult. Your parents might not understand. So what? We don't live for people. We live for God. We live for God because He is the one who saved us. He is the one who came down from heaven and took on flesh, took on carnality, took on dust man, so that we no longer need to live according to that limitation. He is a life-giving Spirit. He says, come to me if you are weary. Come to me if you are tired. Come to me if you are hungry. Come to me if you are thirsty. And I will give you bread to eat and you will never hunger again. I'll give you waters to drink and you will never thirst again. God is what you're looking for. I just feel there's someone here that you haven't surrendered yet. I don't usually go on like this. Just say yes, Lord. Count the cost because your life is going to change, but it's worth it. It's so worth it to go to bed knowing that your sins are forgiven, that it is not an issue with God, that your past has passed away, that the new has come, that all things are now new and fresh in Christ. And if you've been born again, born from above, born of God for how many years or months or weeks, maybe days, this message should refresh you. It should challenge you to live for more, more than ourselves, more than this world has to offer. More of God. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.